I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Well, a little more than two weeks after his last fight against Manny Pacquiao, former champion Lucas Matisse announced his retirement from the sport of boxing. Uh, Matisse finishes his career with a record of 39 wins, 5 losses, 36 wins by way of knockout. I, I think it's probably the best decision that Matisse could make at this point in his career. He's uh, going to be 36 soon. He probably doesn't see a need to continue fighting if only Manny Pacquiao felt the same way. My overall thoughts of Lucas Matisse, uh, kind of a hard luck fighter, if you think about it. Uh, He was was coming up, he had that split decision loss to Zab Judah, then he had another loss to Devin Alexander, both split decision losses, and both were fights that a lot of people thought that he should have gotten the decision on. And from there, he slowly started to build a reputation as a real machine. I mean, that, that's what they did call him, Lucas the Machine Matisse. And he was just knocking everybody out. And in 2013 came the big fight against Danny Garcia for the junior welterweight title. And I remember so many people, myself included, Justin and I, we did a joint podcast uh, for that fight because I was on the Mayweather Alvarez undercard and we both predicted that Matisse was going to knock out Danny Garcia I can't exactly remember uh, what round I picked I, I'm, but I do know that I picked uh, Matisse to knock out Garcia and watching the fight I was actually kind of surprised because it seemed like whenever uh, Matisse would land a shot he would o- just throw one at a time kind of like he he would land and then look at Garcia and almost think weren't you supposed to fall down uh it, it was kind of puzzling and Garcia to to his credit he handled uh Matisse quite well and I, I'm trying to recall immediately, but I, I think there might have been a knockdown in the fight. I cannot remember, but uh, I, I, it was obviously a bit disappointing because I had expected Matisse to win, didn't happen. Um, and I imagine a lot of people did want Matisse to win as well. They weren't that impressed with Danny Garcia. It always seemed like he was fighting a bunch of uh, old has-been fighters who really didn't deserve the shot at his championship and then afterwards for Garcia things didn't get better you had uh, that fight with Herrera which a lot of people thought that he lost but regardless that's neither here or there so afterwards you know you could slowly see that Matisse is trying to build himself back up he had a he had a victory against Ruslan Provodnikov John Molina Jr. Roberto Ortiz uh, it was only Provodnikov, which was the fight that went the distance, and he won a majority decision. But then he ran into the undefeated Victor Postal, and uh, I, I'm trying to think back almost three years how how I thought that fight was going to go down, if I actually did make a prediction or not. But in the end, Postal knocked out Matisse in round 10. And you could kind of see at this point that, okay, the luster has really started to wear off. And Matisse took, I think, a year and a half off. He came back, 
uh, he finally won a championship. It was the uh, a vacant WBA welter, yeah, WBA welterweight title, uh, and that was against the undefeated Tewa Kiram. That was in Inglewood, California, and that was the last victory of Matisse's career because then he ran into Manny Pacquiao, and I I, I will admit, okay, looking back at it, it does look a bit foolish that I was thinking, you know, this Pacquiao-Matisse fight, the way it's building up, it almost has some similarities to Oscar De La Hoya fighting Manny Pacquiao. Well, yeah, not my best moment, obviously, but Matisse was just never never on Pacquiao's level, and it showed in that fight, because I said an old Manny Pacquiao almost looked like the Manny Pacquiao of old. So, unfortunately, Lucas Matisse, you know, obviously a good career. I mean, for the love of God, if I had a boxing career that was 39 wins with 36 knockouts, I, you know, I wouldn't hang my head and say, oh, you know, it sucked. But you always felt that there could have been more for Matisse, and it just never materialized. So hopefully he enjoys his retirement, and unlike a lot of other fighters, like Manny Pacquiao, doesn't come back and decide, oh, you know, I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Moving on. Do you remember over a year ago, it was sometime last summer in 2017, Sean Porter put out a video where he was talking about a fight with Danny Garcia. And for for some reason, Porter decided that he would do this uh, this sort of... uh, almost a wrestling promo, and he did it in the style of Macho Man Randy Savage. Does anybody remember that? I've only just heard that the WBC would like Showtime Sean Porter to fight another title eliminator. And they want me to fight none other than a cherry picker himself, Danny Garcia. What I say to you, Danny Garcia, let's get it on. Ooh, yeah. So that was back in 2017, and, you know, it took us well over a year, but we are finally going to get that fight. September 8th of this year, Danny Swift Garcia will be taking on Showtime Sean Porter. Uh, This fight is for the vacant WBC welterweight title. I imagine it's vacant because Keith Thurman just hasn't fought since he defeated uh, Garcia all the way back in March of 2017. I almost sometimes think of Keith Thurman as a retired fighter. And you'll also recall that, uh, I, when I heard about this fight last year, when, uh, Porter brought it up, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was a, a very interesting fight. In fact, I broke out my own, and may I say, far superior Macho Man Randy Savage impression to uh, express my delight and for those of you you know hoping you might get an encore presentation of that you you might not be able to tell but my voice just isn't at full strength so I'm not going to do it because you know doing this podcast is already a bit of a strain on my vocal cords as it is so I will break out that impression the closer we get to that fight we still got less than a month and hopefully I can release another podcast within that time 
but I, I don't worry. Macho Man Andrew Schweitzer will return, I assure you. But let's let's talk about, or let's not talk about my alter egos. Let's talk about this fight. Showtime Sean Porter versus Danny Swift Garcia. Garcia will enter the ring with a record of 34 wins, one loss, 20 wins by way of knockout. The last time we saw uh, Garcia in the ring, he was knocking out Brandon Rios. That was all the way back in February. Showtime Sean Porter, last time we saw him in the ring, he was fighting Adrian Gar- Granados. I had never heard of him either, but Porter will be entering the ring with 28 wins, two losses, 17 wins by way of knockout. It's going to be very interesting, this fight, because it's kind of for... It's it's a real chance for these guys to almost step out of the shadow that both of these guys are under since they both have a loss to Keith Thurman. Uh, Porter lost his uh, fight against Kell Brook. That was the first loss of his career. A lot of people thought that he won the fight with Keith Thurman. I scored that fight a draw myself. I Either guy could have won. I, I, I would have been happy. But uh, Thurman got the decision. But uh, Porter's slowly, but sh- slowly and surely been building himself back. And I-, I would love to see him fight more. Unfortunately, he's a PBC fighter, which means you know you're you're lucky if you get to fight twice a year. But you have to look at the similarities between these two guys. If you think about it, both guys are uh, 30 years old. Both are trained by their fathers, and both of them have a loss on their record to Keith Thurman. This is really, like I said, a chance for them to step out, you know, break themselves apart, and show that they are the still a dominant force in the welterweight division because you have fighters like Errol Spence who are really starting to make a name for themselves. And it almost it almost feels like uh, sometimes fi- uh, fighters like, uh, like Garcia... Porter and especially Keith Thurman, I'm I'm kind of worried that they're going to be left behind. Almost kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about those guys. Are they still around? Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction yet, but as I previously stated and as I stated a year ago with my Macho Man impression, I'm very excited for this fight. It should be a very good fight. Uh, only thing I hope that happens. Keep. Angel Garcia, that's Danny's father and trainer, keep him away from the microphones in the lead-up to this fight. That's all I ask. Moving on. Andre Berto got off the canvas in the third round in his fight against Devin Alexander, came back to win a decision. I'm not sure if I agree with that decision. Uh, Berto versus Alexander, this was... um, a fight that was on PBC on Fox. Uh, I did not get that Fox channel, unfortunately, and plus I was working, so... Uh, you know, I, I was talking about Lucas Matisse being a hard luck fighter. I I think sometimes that Devin Alexander is one, too, because this is a guy clearly extremely gifted. I remember reading in Ring Magazine years ago that he had over 200 victories in his amateur career, and he always seems to be on the verge of uh, getting ready for that next step. And it just doesn't happen for him. Uh, 
I, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, he lost he lost a technical decision to Timothy Bradley. Then he uh, suffered an upset against Sean Porter. That was the fight that really brought Porter into prominence. Then, uh, unfortunately, back-to-back losses, one to Amir Khan, and then to Aaron Martinez, which I called the upset of the year. And now he's lost this fight against Andre Berto, and plus, this is coming off of the uh, the draw against Victor Ortiz, which even my, like I said at the time, my father does not have as much boxing knowledge as I do. He'll freely admit that, but even he said that he thought that Ortiz lost that fight. He, he didn't understand how Devin didn't get the decision. Uh, yeah, the, the, the knockdown, I, I'm surprised that they actually ruled that a knockdown because, you know, he, Alexander was hitting Berto in the back of the head, hit him twice doing it, and I thought, oh, well, the ref's not going to rule that a knock. And then the ref does, you know, he, he keeps keeps counting and I, I I couldn't understand it because those are illegal punches you know you you can't do that not a great fight unfortunately uh, Alexander falls to 27 wins five defeats 14 wins by way of knockout Berto goes up to 32 wins five defeats and he currently has 24 wins by way of knockout. This was Berto's uh, first victory in two years. The last time we saw him in the ring was back in 2017 in April, where he was knocked out by Sean Porter. Uh, his last victory was a, a pretty good fight against Victor Ortiz, their rematch. Who knows? Maybe they're going to do a rubber match. Victor could certainly use the paydays and the encouragement. But, yeah, this fight was sadly nothing special. And I feel bad for Devin Alexander because talented guy, and he's had the the setbacks with the losses, and he's also had to battle uh, his addiction to uh, painkillers. He was recovering from... I think it was a nasal surgery and he got addicted to painkillers and that really hurt his career. In fact, I think during the broadcast, they said that Alexander admitted at times he was fighting a high on painkillers, which it, which is kind of like, Oh my God, that's just insane. They were talking about how, you know, Alexander, you know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't even drink soda but you know he the the, uh, the painkillers he was on for uh, that surgery afterwards, it was it was just too much for him. He loved the way it made him feel, and it's too bad to see him you know suffer another setback like this. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's next for him. Berto says that he would like to fight Errol Spence. Mm, maybe you know I I I don't see Berto being much of a problem for Spence at this point, but who knows? Moving on. Sergey Kovalev. Good lord, how the mighty have fallen, but you never expect to see them fall three times in one fight. Yeesh. Oh, this past Saturday, Sergey Kovalev faced off against the undefeated challenger Eladir Alvarez, and I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. 
Oh, you know, Alvarez was, as I said, undefeated. 23 fights, uh, 12 wins by way of knockout. Not looked at as a huge puncher, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, in his previous six fights, only one fight had ended by knockout, and that was against Lucien Boutet. But watching the fight, it, it, it was interesting because you could see that even though Kovalev was winning the fight, it did seem like he was slowing down a bit. <coughs> um, watching watching the fight, I, I recall correctly, Harold Letterman had Kovalev winning every round, but it, it seemed also that that he was tiring, that there, there was like a, a lack of energy, and dare I say maybe even urgency. Like his jab, he was throwing out his jab, but it didn't seem to be a very strong, powerful jab. And Alvarez, you know, keeping his distance, and then he lands this beautiful right hand, and that, you know, backs Kovalev up, and then it drops him. And, you know, that was kind of shocking. He gets up, and uh, you, you can see that he's, you know, trying to get away. He's, he's moving, but Alvarez keeps closing in. He's moving, he's moving, and then he lands this left-right combination that drops him again, and Kovalev, like, falls over on his side, and you can tell at that point he's done. You know, like, he, he's moving around a bit, trying to get his legs back under him, but he, he's on shaky legs. I, I felt that the referee kind of gave him, like, more time than was deserved. It's kind of, I, I, he's, like, having Kovalev, oh, move over here, I want to see if you can still stand, and then it's just... Another few short punches, and Alvarez is—he's just dropped Kovalev again, down and out. So Sergey Kovalev falls to 32 wins, three losses, one draw. Alvarez rises to 24 wins, no losses, 12 KOs, arguably the biggest KO of his career, and he also picks up the WBO light heavyweight title. And sort of makes himself the new unofficial boogeyman of the uh, of the light heavyweight divisions. Now, um, this begs the question: What's next for Kovalev? Is he done? Because apparently, after the fight, Roy Jones Jr. was saying, "You know, Kovalev should retire. You know, it's it's clear that he's done." And think about it like this: When Roy Jones Jr. is saying you need to retire, maybe you might want to pay attention. It's like, man knows what he's talking about, Sergey. He spent the latter half of his career being told that he needs to retire. Um, but Kathy Duva has said that, no, Kovalev is going to keep fighting. He does not want to end his career with a loss. But it's kind of clear that there's not much left for Kovalev at this point. He turned 35 this past April. Uh, you know, he he does have a very good reputation uh in the ring, you know, outside the ring, uh, his former trainer, John David Jackson, has said that he's racist, that he's, you know, getting too full of himself, or that he was getting too full of himself when he worked with them. Um, it, it's a bit too bad for Kovalev, really, because he, he really could be, uh, I, I think, a bigger star than he is at the moment. But... I think personally, there's probably just he's probably going to have one more fight. Hopefully, 
it, you know, I say hopefully speaking as if uh, I were working for him or like a manager of some kind, but hopefully they'll try to get it for uh, some minor title, somebody who has a light heavyweight championship. I doubt that they're going to get the fight with Adonis Stevenson. I, I, I don't see that happening, uh, even though if I were on Kovalev's team, I would say, hey, you know, let's just go for it. Let's finally get this fight that everybody's wanted to see. Uh, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. And it's too bad because both of these guys, you know, uh, five years ago, boxing fans would have been drooling for this fight, Kovalev versus Stevenson. But now, uh, obviously, we, we see that there are some chinks in the armor because Kovalev just got knocked out. Stevenson, uh, some say he was lucky to get, to get a draw against Badu Jack. So, I, either way, you know, hard luck seems to be the theme of this episode. <laughs> you know, I bring it up with Matisse, Alexander, and now Kovalev. I mean... You could argue that both fights fights against Andre Ward, you know, showed that he's got hard luck. I mean, some say that he deserved to get the decision against Ward, and some say that he should not have been stopped against Ward in the rematch. That the uh, that the referee stopped too early, but uh, you know, there, there's no controversy here against Alvarez. I mean, congratulations to him. In all honesty, Alvarez, you know, really really took the fight to Kovalev in that seventh round and did what he needed to do. He showed it's not over till it's over. So what's next for Alvarez? Maybe they'll try to get a rematch. It would make sense for Alvarez to take it. It'd be another big payday. And he showed that, okay, I can take Kovalev's punches. And not only that, I can take them and come back to knock him out. So, and Kovalev could also want the rematch, knowing what mistakes he made, knowing what he needs to do to win the fight this time. I don't know, but uh, it, it's clear that, uh, you know, Sergei Kovalev does not have much longer to go in this sport. Moving on. Finally, for this podcast, I'm going to admit that I've recognized finally that I have a difficult relationship with the heavyweight division because one week. You know, the the division can really excite you and, you know, make you count the days until a major fight, and then the next week it'll just disappoint you and make you say, oh, the hell with these fighters, you know, I'm going back to the welterweight division. But, you know what, sometimes you can understand their frustration because they get frustrated with it either, with it too, rather. Deontay Wilder is uh, the one who's really frustrated There is apparently a deal in the works for him to fight Tyson Fury sometime in earlier mid-November, but Wilder is convinced that if he beats Tyson Fury and if Anthony Joshua beats Alexander Povetkin, uh, Deontay Wilder is convinced that Joshua won't fight him on April 13th of 2019. Uh, Joshua apparently has signed a contract for his next two fights to take place at Wembley Stadium in London, where he will make his uh, mandatory defense of the WBA heavyweight title against Povetkin on September 22nd. Now, Joshua has stated that uh, he wants to fight Wilder on April 13th if he beats Povetkin, if Joshua beats Povetkin. Uh, and he apparently said that he signed a revised contract for an, 13th, uh, an April 13th bout, and that they have sent it to Wilder's handlers, 
and the, apparently Eddie Hearn was the one who sent it, but now Wilder has come out and said that Al Heyman, Shelley Finkel, who are the co-managers of Wilder, they haven't received any such uh, document. So it kind of makes you wonder what's going on. And now Wilder has said that uh, even if Joshua does send a contract, Wilder's uh, not willing to sign it because he's not willing to fight for the $15 million flat fee he originally accepted, but rather he wants a 50-50 split. And that's going to be hard to negotiate because if the fight takes place in Wembley Stadium in the UK, it's clear that Joshua is the bigger star there, okay? You know, all these people who sign with Al Heyman, they make the big deal about them being the A-side. Well, unfortunately, if you're fighting Anthony Joshua in the UK, you're not going to be the A-side of this fight, okay? That, that That's just the, the sad reality of it, okay? And now Wilder is convinced that they don't want to fight. He just wants to fight Tyson Fury, beat him, but uh, nothing's confirmed yet for a fight with him and Tyson Fury. So, at the moment, this is all speculation. Uh, if he does beat Fury, though, it will increase his chances of possibly getting uh, a 50-50 split because, you know, both Fury and Joshua from the UK both have victories over Vladimir Klitschko, but then you can just get down to saying, well, it was... Ty- or, sorry, it was Deontay Wilder who defeated Tyson Fury. I mean, Anthony Joshua didn't go for it. So, there's that case to be made. But personally, I, I Wilder says that he's tired of getting his hopes up. Hey, Deontay, you're not alone, buddy. Okay? I, I've wanted to see some great unification fights in the heavyweight division. But if things keep going uh, going the way they are that's probably going to be very unlikely. But hopefully within the next uh, week or so, we can get some kind of answer as to what's really going to happen. Now, Tyson Fury himself does have a fight coming up uh, within the next week. I mentioned this on the previous podcast. He's going to be fighting Francesco Pianetta. Uh, As I recall, he was a former opponent of Vladimir Klitschko, uh, lost that fight, obviously, and now he's going to be fighting Tyson Fury. And like I said, uh, this uh, Pianetta guy should be a better opponent, hopefully, than Safir Seferi, but you never know. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Adzizic, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Let's get it on! Ooh, yeah!